as Andy was talking about, we obviously have our vision objectives for the year. And so really what I want to do today is do a bit more of a in-detail focus on our um, objective of focus that God gave us, which was outreach. And so you're going to hear a little bit more about what we're kind of planning um, over the summer. And then we've got the incredible dish sharing with us uh, next week as we really outreach and social impact and Asha. So it's outreach and social impact is our focus. So I'm doing the outreachy bit and then Dish and Asha will be doing social impact. So we're going to be looking today at the story of Zacchaeus. Um, so the verses will be up behind me, but let me just read um, this to you. So Luke 19, 1 to 9, it says this. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to get into this story. So Father, I just want to thank you for incredible stories of provision and for just an opportunity to worship you and to just really bask in your love. And I want to pray that as we look at this story today, that we would just have hearts that are open and ready to receive all that you want to teach us, all that you want to show us, all that you want to pour and develop in us. And God, we just want to say, have your way in this place today, that we want to be people who have our eyes fixed fully on you. And I just pray that you'll help us um, as we just go through this time together. God, we love you, and we just give you a yes. Amen. So, first of all, um, they all grumbled. <laughs> I mean, what did that sound like? Oh, my goodness. Right, you know, grumb they all grumbled. I just think, like, you have to put yourself in Scripture somehow and imagine, like, what that looked like. What did a whole crowd of people being totally raging at the fact that Jesus spoke to Zacchaeus who they hated because of who he was? And But tax collectors were super disliked because they essentially were, you know, obviously taxes had to be paid to the Roman Empire. They were the um, occupying regime. And tax collectors were the Jews who were working for the Romans. They were the turncoats or the um, traitors to their own countrymen and I guess rather than sort of fighting the Romans, they were collaborating with them and helping them. And it was also common knowledge that tax collectors were taking more than they needed to take and lining their own pockets. They were dishonest, they were cheating their fellow Jews. Um, and Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector, which means really he was the like top mafia. That would be my way of describing him, top mafia. Um, and he was, I think this is just funny because it says, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. Now, 
also, yes, he was small, but on account of the crowd, he could not get through. Now, was that because they were like <laughs> linking arms, being like, oh, you know, boo hiss. Boo hiss, it's Zacchaeus, don't let him through. Do you know, we don't really know fully what that looked like, but there was not a lot of appreciation or love for who he was and what he represented. Let's just put it that way. Um, so I just want to kind of dig into like, you know, what can we learn from Jesus? What happened? And really, how, how was Zacchaeus feeling um, about what went on? So first of all, Jesus, he listened to Holy Spirit. So how did he know where to stop under what tree? Because Holy Spirit is like, hey, by the way, there's a guy up that tree and this is his name. So he, he was obedient to Holy Spirit. He listened um, and he stopped. Um, he, you know, did, did Jesus like suddenly know he was called Zacchaeus because he was the son of God? No, Holy Spirit told him because he was a human filled with the spirit just like we are. So he was obedient. He listened. He actually stopped and he honored um, the man who was the least honorable man in the crowd, which is huge. Absolutely massive. Um, he modeled like actually modeled what practically loving your enemies looked like, inviting yourself to someone's home was huge like in that culture like eating together was a massive deal and Jesus being like hey Zacchaeus I'm, I'm coming to stay with you and then eat with you and I'm gonna st-. and he didn't say that he was just gonna visit I'm gonna stay at your house which is by the way I'm coming for a I'm coming for a sleepover do you know that was huge um especially you know when he was um not loved at all. It was totally enemy. Um, and the other thing that's remarkable is that Jesus did not talk to him about his sin. He loved him. And he dis- Jesus displayed what the father is like. And actually what we see then is, you know, Zacchaeus' reaction to that. And Jesus called him the, a son of Abraham, which is really just affirming his acceptance in the eyes of God. And actually regardless of the community's reaction to him, regardless of how everyone else felt about him, Jesus was saying, like, this is, this is who you are, that you're loved, you're a son um, of God. Um, and, and actually what happened in that moment is that Jesus shifted the town or, like, the, the hostility of the community, Jesus shifted it from Zacchaeus to himself, which was massive. Um, and, and we read it there that Jesus said that he came to seek and to save the lost. Um, so what happened? So huge value for Zacchaeus. Like he's completely undone and just is like repents because of the massive um, value that Jesus brought to him. Jesus' love was so powerful that actually Zacchaeus committed to, um, actually committed to begin to show um, like costly love to the community that actually that he'd harmed and he didn't really like him very much um, and and the thing that he did which is we don't really get this but I'm just going to tell you so that you get it too but actually at the time the Roman law required that if you were an extortionist so if you cheated and took money from people the Roman law required that you pay four times back what you had taken and what you owed. So actually what he was doing by saying, I'm going to restore it fourfold, anything that I've taken, he basically publicly is admitting his sin, saying, do you know what, I have done wrong and I'm now going to, I'm going to obey the law and put this right. But not only did he do that, he he basically says, I'm going to give away like 50%, like half of all that I own and all that I have, I'm going to give it to the poor. Absolutely huge. So how, how would Zacchaeus, how was he feeling? Like, put yourself in the story. You're the key, you're up the tree. And like, suddenly, 
the man that you just want to get a wee peek at and nobody's, gonna, nobody's letting you through because everybody hates you and you're small and you can't get through and you know that you're not loved. Um, here's Zacchaeus and suddenly, not only is he seen because Jesus looks up, but he's known because Jesus says, hey Zacchaeus, come on down. So he's seen, he's known, he's wanted, he is accepted, he's needed, he's loved. Um, and, and he's overwhelmed with thankfulness, and he is filled with joy. Um, and I guess when I throw this out there, are those things, you know, let me just repeat them. So he's seen, he's known, he's wanted, he's accepted, he's needed, he's loved, he's overwhelmed with thankfulness, and he's filled with joy. Are those things that you need to know or you need to feel? And um, I, just, I just want to encourage you, ask Jesus to show you the reality of those truths for your life. And the thing that's incredible is that how Jesus um, deals with, treats, and I guess honors and loves Zacchaeus, how he treats him is the way that he treats us. And it's the way that he wants us to treat others. And, and, and God actually wants us to be, you know, obedient to Holy Spirit and wants us to display the Father's love and to be people who will also go and seek and save the lost. And I just felt like I wanted to read some um, truths over you. And you can shut your eyes if you want, but I just really felt like just let these truths soak into the soil of your heart. Let them just like fill you because sometimes, you know, well, let's, we'll get to it, but let's not dwell on what we've been through. But sometimes we forget who we are. And so I just want to remind you who you are. So here we go. You have been adopted as God's child. You are free from all condemnation. You have been bought at a price. You belong to God. You are a member of Christ's body. You're a saint. You are God's temple. You cannot be separated from the love of Christ. You are a citizen of heaven. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. You have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. You are seated with Christ in heavenly realms. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And 1 Peter 2.9, but you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness, darkness into his marvelous light. In the Passion Translation, instead of proclaim the excellencies, it says this, he did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. And 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that we are ambassadors for Christ. And the Passion Translation has this incredible explanation. To be ambassadors for Christ means that we are his diplomatic agents of the highest rank. 
sent to represent King Jesus and authorized to speak on his behalf. We are the voice of heaven to earth, invested with royal power through the name of Jesus and authority of his blood. Wow. You are incredible. You are delighted in, you're loved by God, and actually he's put you on earth, just like what Barbara was saying, like actually we are here at this moment of history because God decided to look through all of the time of all the people and decided at this point on earth, I need to have you here because you're, no one's going to be able to do what you can do, which is incredible and amazing and mind-blowing. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And he also said that anyone who has seen, who has seen me has seen the Father. So the primary purpose of Jesus coming to earth was to reveal the Father. Everything he did was to reveal the Father. And he said in John 6, 38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And he said that the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. And then John, oh sorry, we've already read it, that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And then John 20, 21, Jesus said, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Which means that we've got the same job description as Jesus. Actually, we are called to reveal the Father and to seek and to save the lost. Now, without rehearsing the past two years, we all know what it's been like. That job description has been challenging. Revealing the Father's love and seeking and saving the lost when, you know, you're in your house and you're clapping out the window and that's really the extent of it. It's challenging, massively challenging. Um, but I guess the thing is this, that, that as we move forward, like the Bible teaches us, freely you've received, freely give. And we know that um, if we come to Jesus and we drink, out of our hearts will flow rivers of living water. And the thing about a river is, you know, like they reintroduced um, beavers to like my neck of the woods <laughs> where I'm from. And the thing about beavers or the thing about any river, the minute there is a dam or a blockage or something gets in the way, that river is not able to flow in a way that it could. And what happens is that there's a pool that forms and that water actually starts to stagnate. Um, and what I realized actually, for me personally, like in like moving forward this next season of like what God's leading us into, I actually need to intentionally form new habits because like actually you have to be intentional with a new habit so that it gets formed in you and you have to repeat it and do it again. And I don't know about you, but I have definitely got out of the way of reaching out to others and of actually doing what I know that Jesus has called me to. So there's my admission. Um, I don't know how you've been getting on, but the thing about this job description that we've been given by Jesus is that it's still alive and it's still valid. He didn't just decide, oh, all right, oh, you've had COVID. That's okay. You don't need to do that anymore. You don't need to fulfill the call I have on your life. You don't need to tell people about me. You don't need to lay hands on this. Absolutely not. We're still meant to be revealing who Jesus is. We're meant to be telling people about him. We're meant to be laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. And it's almost like all of that amazing stuff that we're meant to be doing is like, that's like point B over there. And like we're at point A and we're looking at that thinking, yeah, I know. I definitely know that's like, that's where I'm meant to be, but I'm here and I don't really know how to get there. And I guess I just want to encourage you that getting from A to B takes like probably for some of us lots of steps, for others of us it might just be a few, 
But actually, I think the thing I want to appeal to you is please take some steps because we need to move forward. We cannot be stuck in the past. We can't be, we can't be in limbo. We can't be in like, I don't know what to do. Actually, we need to take a small step of whatever that looks like for you from, to get forward and actually a partner with God and having some momentum. And I think the thing about that is actually, I can't do that for you. As much as I would love to just, you know, give you a kick or help you, actually, we all have to take responsibility for our own journey and our own walk with God. Um, and I think that the story that I really love and I come back to again often in my life is the story of Peter when he's, you know, out, called out of the boat to walk in the waves. Like, he's actually doing okay. Like, I'm, I just think it's very impressive. He actually, he does it. It's like amazing. And the thing that keeps him, the one wee step in front of the other, is when his eyes are fixed on Jesus. The minute he starts to, like, take his eyes off of Jesus and look at, like, the fact that, like, he's walking on water and there's waves and there's wind and it's all a bit scary and he's aware of his circumstances and starts to let them dictate his response and stops looking at Jesus, that's when it gets a bit tricky for him. So where we look is really key. So I, I want to fix my eyes on Jesus. We're told in Scripture that he's the author and perfecter of our faith. He needs to be perfecting my faith. and needs to be the author of it, and I need to keep my eyes fixed on him. So for me, I, I mean, they're, they're not exciting, particularly maybe when you hear them. You might be like, really? That's all she's done? Or you might be like, oh, my goodness, I couldn't do that. So I have been doing some intentional steps recently, uh, because I want to make sure that my river flows and it's not stagnating in a pool. And I want to make sure that I'm revealing the Father. And I guess I want to make sure that I am not like in this sort of isolated, detached, like uninvolved way of living my life. Because that is actually what we have just come out of. But we need to break free from it. And so... I did a wee experiment recently, which was quite fun, and I totally recommend trying it. I decided, right, over the course of the day, I was just going to smile at everybody that I walked past. So I just, there I was, like an absolute lunatic, giving it big grins to all these strangers. And some of them were, like, looking at me with, like, big eyes, like, who are you? Why are you, you know, wondering, is she on the phone? Is she, like, laughing at, is she talking to someone? And I'm totally, like, beaming and smiling at them. Some of them smiled back, and I was like, oh, good, come on, I'm just revealing the love of the Father to you right now, uh, just as I walk by you. Um, so that was quite fun. There was a wee step I took. Um, I have been, uh, I have a friend who is actually really, not a, not a follower of Jesus, but really struggling with uh, mental health and anxiety and uh, disturbed sleep. And I've been walking with this person every week. And as we walk, I'm like, let me pray for you. And we walk along and I lay my hands on this person's shoulder while we're walking and I pray. And uh, every week, and so now they come to expect that, you know, at what point in the walk is the hand going to go on my shoulder? And actually what has started to happen is that they have started to realize that God is changing their circumstances because they're like, I can't do this myself. I can't make, I can't fix myself, but God is fixing them, which is absolutely incredible and really encouraging for them and for me. I have um, also started like getting to the office early, which, you know, it's not the most exciting thing to do, but get in before everyone else and lay hands on their chairs and pray for them for their day and for what they're going to do as they sit at their desk. A simple thing. That is a step for me. Um, I, my my neighbour um, had 
was distraught. She, her cat went missing. And I was like, right, here's a moment really to do something. So I was like, I am going to pray that God brings your cat back. And so uh, I started to pray and then I was getting regular updates, any sign of your cat. And uh, I was like calling it forth. And then I got, uh, we've got a couple of cat lovers in our small group. And I'm like, hey, would you join me and praying for this, you know, where two or three are gathered. And um, so then, you know, we get to like two weeks in, there's still no cat. And I'm like, right, maybe it's dead. It's maybe like smeared on a pavement or a road somewhere. I'm like, this could be really bad. But I'm like, Jesus, you are the resurrection and the life. And so I just release resurrection life over this cat. I call you back from wherever you are come back to life, come home. And I just say to you, come home in the name of Jesus. So anyway, two and a half weeks in, I get a message from my neighbor being like, my cat's just turned up. I'm like, come on, Jesus. And so small thing, but she was able to see like, wow, actually God really cares about me because he's brought my cat home. And unheard of, the cat had never done that before. So now she doesn't trust it and she puts on a lead when she has it in her garden. She's like, you're going nowhere, buddy. So um, very fun. Um, I had a new neighbor move in and I thought, you know what? I'm going to take a wee step here. I'm going to reveal the love of God by I'm going to make you some muffins. So I'd turn up at the door and, and the guy was just like totally blown away. Like, wow, can't believe you just made me like cake. So small step. I, my neighbor's driveway has been a complete riot, not the same neighbor, a different one. And I was like, I'm just going to weed this now. We're, we're talking knee high weeds, really not fun. Um, and lots of other things. So this uh, summer, we have a variety of, um, out, variety of different outreach things planned, really to help us get reactivated in forming new habits. Um, and to take steps forward. Now, it is much easier to do that when you're with other people than on your own. Um, so we're going to be um, joining Glasgow Street Outreach um, at the beginning of July. Um, and that we're actually going to be relaunching our online um, prayer as well. And then we're going to do a sort of outreach and worship on the streets uh, in August. And so... The thing about worship on the streets, you may be like, oh my goodness, no way could I do that. Well, you couldn't on your own, standing on the street being like, amazing, great. Not a lot of fun doing that on your own. See, when there's like 20 people or 40 people and you're worshiping Jesus, you get really bold because you're like, you've got these pals around you and you're like, oh, I'm actually, this is a lot safer because I'm just, I'm like, my voice is amongst many others. And what an impact we have had doing that. We, just a quick story, um, one of the, we picked at this one point um, in the past when we've done this, we picked a really dark, dark, unpleasant place because we we're like, that's where the light's going to shine the brightest. So we're worshiping Jesus in this spot and all these like teens gather to us because they're just drawn to the presence of God and we get to minister to them. But in, because of there that we worshiped, um, I personally have seen a man radically healed of like, six or seven different symptoms and give his life to Jesus in that actual spot and vineyard have seen someone in that just along from there um someone who was blind get their sight back so just just like we can have an impact on our city that's huge so just want to throw that out there um and then the other thing that's coming up later in the year is that Andy has been invited to take a team to India in October um for 
revival crusades and ministering to um, church leaders there and doing outreach in the bush uh, with unreached people groups. So there will be more information on that coming soon, but um, an opportunity for sort of two or three hope people to apply to go with him and you would just need to find money for flights and living expenses so that is very exciting that we prayed when we at the beginning of the year we prayed that God would open up opportunities you remember we stood here and we prayed about the stuff God had called us to this year and that he would open up doors and he's doing it so amazing so what we're going to do um as we close um, I have a couple more things just to share but I would love it if you're willing to join in if you don't want to I'm not going to force you but I would love it if we could just have some group time. So I just want to encourage you to just do the noisy bit now. And if you could form groups of four people, what we're going to do is we're just going to pray um, for one another. And then I'm going to have you ask God a question. And then we could we'll just take some time to share what we felt he say, said to us. And then we're going to pray for each other again. So, so it's going to be about body ministry. Okay, so um, we've got some questions in a moment. But before we do that, I just want to share this one thing. So... If you remember Peter and John um, with the lame man at the gate, beautiful, and Peter says to him, silver and gold I have not, but what I do have I give to you. And I just want to say this, what do we have? What is it that we have? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give you all the answers, but a few things that we have, just to remind you, we have a fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And I was challenged recently, like how many times in a day do I tell the Holy Spirit that I love him? Um, we've got perfect love. We have faith. We have hope. We have good news of great joy. We have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. We have the same power that can stop a storm, the same power that can open blind eyes, and we have the name that is above every other name. That's what we have. And so what I would like you to do before um, we come to the questions, um, I just want you to pray for maybe one of the people in your group just you know, praying one for the other. And I just want you to release over that person the full revelation of what it is that they have. So it's that, that simple prayer, I release over you the full revelation of what it is that you have. Okay. So the Bible tells us that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And actually, it's not possible for us to adequately represent Jesus and demonstrate the love of God without his power. Um, which is why Pentecost had to happen. And so what I would like you to do, I'm going to put the questions up now, I want you to just take a moment to ask Holy Spirit, what would, what would you like me to do as one step forward in reaching out to others?